Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. The last two weeks we've been talking about how we experience God together when we come together uh, in person, in the shared space, whether here or at homes or wherever. We talked about worship. This morning we're talking about um, this subject uh, of suffering. Uh, Before I I start, I'll just uh, kick us off in a time of just looking to the Lord uh, before we listen to the word. Father, we come uh, because we are here to... uh, 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 be part of our our expression of our faith, uh, of just knowing you, uh, of knowing uh, what you do through our lives, um, and even uh, just remembering each other and the work that you're doing, not just in our community, but in the world. And so we're here, uh, we bend our hearts uh, to be tutored by your spirit, and we ask that your word would speak directly to each of our hearts uh, so that uh, it brings forth obedience and worship from within. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, you know... uh, Everyone that seeks to live a life that's full um, would encounter all kinds of experiences. And I'm sure you would agree, uh, whether it is celebration, joy, or hard times, right? Um, these are what sometimes people call the spice of life, right? Just, you know, not monotonous. So a full life would necessarily mean um, there is heartache, right? There is love, there's pain, there's joy, uh, there's hardship. Uh, and uh, I just real quick wanted to show you some photos of what came to mind as I thought about the people, some of the people that I see very often every week, and that would be the staff team. And so this one uh, uh, you know, shows Exel, and I thought it was interesting because to me, sometimes when I look at that, I think of pain, uh, suffering. <laughs> Why would you do that? And you have injuries. I see people go rock climbing or bouldering. You have like, you know, uh, skin come off, blood come out. Okay, uh, it's, I, I thought just just a funny kind of uh, analogy or example of things that make life interesting, right? Uh, when we do fun things, when we do even painful things, challenges like that. Next one. How about this one? <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't think Andre and Amy mean to say, uh, you know, that this is suffering, but, you know, <laughs> sleep deprivation makes you feel sometimes like, I just kill me already, okay? And uh, I thought, could you send me a sleep-deprived photo of you? And so Andre sent me this. Uh, they still look pretty good, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to say what I was thinking, but next one. <laughs> <laughs> this one uh, was, I don't know how many of you caught this, but um, so Christine posted this up on her Instagram one time and just uh, relating, I can't remember what story or post, but she was relating how, you know, it was such an unexpected experience. The whole family just really been looking forward to going to USS, end up being caught in the rain almost the entire time they're there, freezing cold, wearing slippers, wet feet, wet shoes, very uncomfortable, right? But then her sharing was also like, she posted with this photo, just at the end of the day, they had a great time. Uh, and, and, you know, they still had a great time. And that's sometimes what I think of when I think of 
hard times, right? When we go through hard times with the people we love. Last one. And this one I show just because out of spite, because Tim never drove me to go hiking with uh, him and, no, just kidding. But so Tim loves uh, going hiking. And I think one of the best and my favorite example of the journey in life that we always experience, I always liken it to a hike, a long hike. You have ups, you have downs. There are times when you just have to go through uncharted uh, terrain, uh, unfamiliar ground, and uh, it, 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 it has a lot to do with who you hike with that makes it worth the journey. And then it's not just when you get there, but it's also how yeah. the process is, right? And that's why I love uh, mountain climbing. So just, you know, sharing people that I see very often, sharing their photos. But all that to say, um, in life, all of us who live a full life, and John 10.10 10 tells us this, uh, I've come, that Jesus says, I've come that you may have life. And not just monotonous, boring, unadventurous life, but risky, right? Full of ups and downs, full of the unexpected, not just what is pleasant, and that is a full life. What about for us who are followers of Jesus, when we follow Jesus? You know, in, in the Bible and scripture and even just, you know, when, when the disciples, the apostles related their experience of, of knowing Christ, following Jesus involves unexpected turns and twists, plot twists. And, and Jesus doesn't say, just follow me and you will lie on a bed of roses, right? But follow me, right? Pick up your cross daily and follow me. We're called not just to salvation, holiness, worship, we are called to suffering. And, and, and that is sometimes what we forget. And we talked about when we gather, when we worship. And these are practices we can pursue. But what about when we suffer? Do we pursue suffering? I'm not saying we would or should, but inevitably we will face. So what, how do we experience God when suffering happens? And, and all this is a part of building resilience. What is our perspective when we go through suffering? And I'm very, very aware that there are many of you in the room who can do, you can share much more stories about suffering or heartache than I can. And you know, as I was just preparing this, I was just overwhelmed by the immensity of what God was just repeatedly showing and telling me. And in some ways, I hope that it's not going to come across as like, what well, just theory. But I really pray that every one of us, wherever you are in life and whatever experiences that relate in your mind as you hear me, uh, is, is God speaking to you in your specific circumstances and for the specific persons, situations that come to your mind or that you are going through. Because all of us are in very, perhaps, varied places of pain or hold varied experiences in life. Uh, but all of us understand suffering is part of following Jesus. And I really believe that we need a much stronger understanding of of suffering if we are to be resilient disciples, right, in this world today. So much that's going on. I want to read you this brief excerpt from a book by Elizabeth Elliot. And this was at the start of her book, Path Through Suffering. 
She says, a six-year-old boy wrote to me, my grandmother has a brain tumor. The doctor says she has only six months to live. Can you help me? And he put a picture of himself, and Elizabeth held the picture in her hand, and she studied it. Such a sweet face. And he asked, could I help him about this? And it was not the first time I had faced such a question. When I, with my own child of two, who I taught Jesus loves me, the song, wanted to know if Jesus loved her daddy because her daddy was killed by the Indians that we were serving in the missionary field. I didn't know all God's reasons. A missionary who had been a guest in our house when I was four, she says, had her head chopped off when I was eight. I had never forgotten the newspaper picture of her orphaned baby peeping out of a rice basket found by some Christians. Jesus lets missionaries be killed. Jesus lets babies lose their parents. Essie McCutcheon was my very lively childhood friend. She had me panting to keep up when she races through people's backyards. She would stand my hair on end with her imaginative stories. We were about the same age, but she was way ahead of me. She would get her baby a brother up in the morning, change him, bring him to the kitchen, fix him breakfast, and everybody else's breakfast. All that energy and imagination. When we were both nine, Essie was very sick in the hospital. Her sisters and parents, my brothers and my parents, all prayed that the Lord would heal her. He could do that, we knew. But Essie died. Jesus lets children lose their best friends. And just, just the start of a story. What is our understanding of suffering? Why does suffering exist? Is a question that sometimes we ask intellectually, but more often we ask that question out of our heart. Why does suffering exist? And we know with famine, genocide, holocaust, and pandemic, and you know, one thing that's been really heavy on my heart as well is with the Myanmar situation. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, right? In John 16, 33, we'll look at the slide there. You guys all right? I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We know of scams, accidents, abuse, betrayal, diseases, rape situations. Why does suffering exist? Is suffering from God. There is a way that people deal with seeing suffering is, well, you know, there's sin in your life. Or there are desires in your heart that you need to wean out. And I'm not... This, I'm not negating the possibility of that. But while I would not go so far as to say your suffering is from God, I'm confident to say suffering can and is used by God for good. And there is a very big difference. But on a personal level, if I can level and be honest with you, I had come to a point where I wrestled with this question does God allow suffering or does he give suffering? And I tried to 
split hairs between the two? Does he send suffering or does he merely allow it? But you know, for me to know and believe that God is able to disallow it, in the end I came to a personal struggle that both are the same. If I am to view that God allows it, it is tantamount to saying God gives it. But I would rather choose now to look at it as how God would use suffering for our good. And if we think of Job and all those, there are many types of sufferings, right? We have so, such a finite view when it comes to what happens in this world. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, we only see partially, but I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. I, you know, our moralistic view of God, or, you know, sometimes we need this therapeutic kind of understanding of it with regard to sin or desire, is finite. Because ultimately, God is way beyond our constructs of what is good and evil and, and acceptable and not, and what's just. With the fall of creation, and it's not just the fall of man in Genesis, but all of creation fell, right? Uh, from then on, there is labor that's hard and the ground that doesn't produce food. There is just all of creation condemned by sin. There is a nature of sin in all of us that is inborn. For all in Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are untouched by the fall of creation. None of us are exempted from this brokenness in humanity, in all of the world. There is natural evil, like calamities or you know, natural disasters. And there's also moral evil in all of us. I can attest to that as a parent. I never need to teach them to lie. There are many types of suffering that we can relate with, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. But ultimately, we know suffering exists okay, because of the fall of creation. And suffering can and is used by God for our good and for the good of all humanity. That's why suffering exists. How does God use suffering? Then we ask. Okay, read aloud with me if you can. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 18. Long passage. It's not up there. I'm not on the screen. If you're at home, grab your Bibles as well and follow along with us. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 18. You there? Four persons. Second Corinthians 4, 7 onwards. Let's read aloud. I'm reading from ESV. Uh, you can use different versions, but uh, let's track along with each other. 7 to 18 aloud. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 
We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Amen. Uh, it's great to read scripture aloud together like this often, right? Uh, as we hear, sometimes we hear ourselves and each other read it. Uh, it's powerful. Now, three things uh, I would put as how does God use suffering? The first is for the renovation of our hearts. What does that mean? Uh, some of you know Willard's book, but um, that's kind of because I wanted to have an R. Okay. But, <laughs> but <laughs> renovation of our heart is really, if you think about it, that's what happens. You can't just you know, fix one thing and you know, leave the others. We're talking about just being like deconstructing our false constructs of what our security lies in and where our significance should come from, right? And when there's a renovation of our heart, God is dealing with our inner life. This season, I've been going through a Lenten devotional for my own journey. And it's been so good because God is just deconstructing and just really making it very plain, my pride, my selfish desires. Uh, uh, and it's coming out in all sorts of ways. Uh, and it's great. Great, because we know that God loves to deal with the dirt in our hearts so that we don't stay the way we are. Our attachments, you know, the ungodly desires, our disordered desires become very obvious. It's like sifting through a purifying gold. God is refining. And that's when, you know, when Job understands, even if you read the, the, the experience of Job, the extreme excruciating suffering Job went through and his friends sat with him they did very well at first uh, before they started talking but if you read through the entire book you will come to this place where Job finally says after he has lamented and he has wrestled with God like why okay basically I'm just shortening the book okay and, and at the end of the book he goes my ears have heard you but now my eyes have seen you. Second point, for the revelation of God. God uses suffering so that we only through what can only be revealed through hardship, we come into a place of clarity who he is and who we are in him. 
And that kind of revelation, unfortunately or fortunately, doesn't happen where we are comfortable, where things are peachy and nice and pleasant. It is in the heart place. It is in the thorny place. It is in the place where everything is stripped away. And you hear this loud, loud, deafening cry, who God is. And so Martha and Mary were waiting for Jesus to appear when Lazarus, their brother, died. And he took so long, even though it's so near, he could have come immediately. Uh, but he took so long to come to them that they said, what took you so long? If only you knew. Why couldn't you have come earlier? And that's how we feel when we are in pain, right? Because that's where our perspective is. But then Jesus, as hard as it is to understand, says this is so that the glory of God may be revealed. And that, again, comes to our finite view. But that is what Jesus did through the resurrecting of Lazarus. There is a link, undeniable link, between suffering and true joy. Suffering and glory. And suffering and revelation of God for eternity. That makes us able to withstand greater storms in life. Many of you have faced storms I have never faced or imagined. So you know what I'm talking about, I pray. Some of you watching uh, at home, what is God's revelation for you as you or when you have gone through suffering? The third R, redemption in the world. Why do I say that? You know, in, in Joseph's experience in the book of Genesis, his brothers who sold him for slavery, he went through the pit, literally. He was treated no better than a slave, even though he need not be because of his brothers. And yet when they came seeking food, he said to them, what you intended for harm, God used it for good. And through his life, Egypt, and the rest of the neighboring countries survived the famine because God positioned him there for his redemptive purpose in the world, beyond his own life. And he, of course, couldn't have seen that. And perhaps many of us don't see, oh, I'm not, Joseph is, you know, this figure in the Old Testament. I'm just, you know, me and my little world here. Who knows what God is positioning you for at such a time as this? But in th through our suffering, through the hardship that we go through, it is hard for us to fathom, but God is preparing an ability and a capacity in us to be even in solidarity with others who suffer. Is it needful? I cannot answer. Is it necessary? God deems it necessary. And so C.S. Lewis says this, if tribulation is a necessary element in redemption, we must anticipate that it will never cease till God sees the world to be either redeemed or no further redeemable. And there is a phrase said by a person called Samuel Rutherford who says very similar thing to what I've been saying, grace grows best in winter. And if you liken it to a tree, trees that don't look like they have any leaves or life left in them, in the winter time, unless there are bugs or whatever, their roots are growing deeper. 
below the ground where you cannot see. And in your winter, wherever you are at, or maybe it's a friend that you know, it's a family, a person that you know, in the winter, grace, God's grace is redeeming his eternal purposes beyond what our eyes can see. And so how does God use suffering for the renovation of our hearts, for a revelation of God that cannot come any other way, and for his redemption in the world beyond our little worlds, right? That's how God uses suffering. Now, when we suffer, what could it look like? It can look like um, a, a long process of grief that we need to work through, right? Uh, I'm still grieving the loss of my father. It feels very fresh for me. And I'm sure for many of you, if you've lost very close loved ones, it takes a long time. Some people take longer, some people take shorter. Or it could be an addiction that you're suffering with, or a vice, or some kind of depressive thoughts, or suicidal thoughts. Maybe you're struggling with that, and that's your place of pain. Okay, It could look like that. It could look like unanswered prayer. Anger towards God or yourself or somebody. That's suffering, that's pain there. Or it could be just pain from the burden, whether it's from you know praying for somebody, but for an injustice that they're suffering, or you know, uh, like what's happening with Myanmar. That's one that's been uh, agonizing me whenever I come to prayer almost. I'm almost scared to intercede because it's too much to bear. And you see faces of these people who are suffering, defending others. It's crazy. It's overwhelming. What could it look like for you? Suffering could be enduring abuse uh, at work, at home, or some kind of thing. Right? It could look very different. How, question, how do you deal when you are going through pain? Not to turn to your neighbor to answer. It's just half a minute. I'm going to ask that you take a moment to be honest. How do you deal when you are having pain, when you are going through a painful time? Just a bit of silence. I hope it's not uncomfortable. Just it helps us to think. Sometimes it can be very harmless, things that we go to. Food, a certain drink, binge watching. And sometimes it can be more harmful. Sometimes people cut themselves, um, do destructive things, or self-destruct their relationship. Many things. I want to share with you very briefly, I'm running out of time, the value of co-suffering, which to me, I pray, is if you don't hear anything else, you hear this. There is value when we choose to co-suffer. Why do I say the word choose? Because when I'm suffering, let me tell you honestly, I don't want to mingle. When I'm suffering, I have this little hermit cave I go to, and I can stay there for a long time. If you know me and the history of you know, how I grew up, I think if I'm not in pastoral ministry, I would be a hermit. 
Uh, seriously, I can, you know, and Matt, Matt understands this. He tries to give me space. Uh, he tries. <laughs> <laughs> and he, tr he does very well. It's me that doesn't do very well. I really need to volitionally, willfully choose to see the value of co-suffering. And I'm saying that specifically because some of you may be more like me. Some of you now, when you suffer, the whole world knows. <laughs> what? Not suffering also, you look like you're suffering. Why? Having such a bad day. And every day, like, that's your suffering, right? Everyone knows when you're suffering. Some of us are not. Uh, like that. But either way, right, there is value in co-suffering. So some of us who, you know, when we are in pain, everyone knows you need to be more sensitive to when other people are in pain, right? And then those of us who are like hermit, more, more in the hermit side of the spectrum, we also need to focus on other people who are also uh, in pain and not, not, not just our own little hermit world. Uh, Ruth Barton says, when we need to be, come together, be bound together in times of strength, so that when it's time of weakness, we do not become unbound. Now, that's plain and simple, easy to understand, okay? 1 Corinthians 12, 26 reminds us, if one member suffers, all suffer together. Talking about the body of Christ, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. And that's why in Galatians 6, verse 2, we are exhorted to bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so uh, I think it, it's been observed by some people that trauma is when you suffer alone. Uh, the trauma is protracted. It's not the type even of what trauma was inflicted. It is actually if you are going through it alone that leads to what we understand as trauma. And so do we disengage when we feel let down? I have been let down by people I thought, ah, oh, you Christian friend, ah, oh, don't care, ah. Oh. Uh, hey, some of us, you know, we feel that we, we do have expectations how people should care and understand us when we go through pain. But honestly, none of us can read minds, right? But I'm just reminding, if you have ever felt let down, and I bet you have, don't disengage. If you can remember, right, that actually there are times the strength of our spiritual community is not even being able to fix problems for each other. That's not what we exist for. Maybe that is a different kind of group, right? I think what we ought to primarily even prioritize is this reverence and a respect for each person's relationship and journey with God in our spiritual community. The, the, the strength of our community as life groups and as a church lies in the love of people who refrain from getting caught in the trap of trying to fix everything for us. But people who will pray for us and allow us to go through the pain of our wilderness, our ones, so that we may be more deeply grounded in God. Just being present. Sometimes it's better than words exchanged. And though sometimes in community, we may not be the warmest, the most caring people. Yes, we can be more warm and caring. Yes, I definitely agree. 
But let's not forget and disengage on that basis. That ultimately what we want to see is everyone journeying through in life closer to God. And that is what is more necessary is the not just the warmth of our community, though to be the most caring, but to be the most reverent and worshipful and respectful of our journey with God. I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah. Okay. Praise Jesus. Now, pathway through suffering, and I'll end here, is this. Sorry, it took a bit uh, longer today. Pathway through suffering is, this is what I would suggest when you are going through a painful time with something. And you know what? It can be years, right? Uh, through different um, losses at different times and there's sometimes things creep up and then it triggers again a memory or something and that's normal that's okay is first attend to your heart and this can look uh, like existing rhythms that you have in your devotion time in your prayer or in like communal worship like this attend to what God is surfacing in your heart okay why am I this. Don't shove it aside. Try to attend to it. Pay attention to what's going on in your own heart. Or when you react, why did I react like that? Why did I say that? Have time to examine that. Okay. And the second is giving yourself permission to lament. Do I need to say more? <laughs> Give yourself permission to mourn. Uh, and sometimes, and I think, I maybe, I hope we don't oversay this. There are times when we say, you know, hey, rejoice in every circumstance. I agree, we do. Uh, but rejoice doesn't remove the need for lament. Neither does lament negate the ability to rejoice. Okay, it doesn't. Uh, we, I would rejoice, but there are moments when yeah, I'm lamenting a loss, and I verbalize it, and I need to. It's healthy. And we give each other room to do that. Let's try not to shut down that, ayah, you know, one year already leh. Don't talk about it anymore lah, you know. We try not to do that, right? Uh, and there are times when lament will give way to some kind of reaction that is even surprising for you. Whether it is some violent reaction or an aggression or a deep frustration that you, you connect to another incident, I would suggest that it's all the more reason to co-suffer, to find and be expressing that to your community so that they can journey with you and discern with you. Because sometimes we are not as self-aware as we wish, but they are. We can only express what we're feeling, but there is discerning and wisdom in community. Right? And so we lament and we involve our community. Third one, wait actively. What do I mean? And sometimes there's this moment of waiting for God's answer or waiting for God's revelation. And actively doesn't mean, wow, I cannot. Okay, I'm just going to not do anything in my life right now. I'm just going to wait. But wait actively means there is a hope. There is an expectation that maybe God won't answer the way you expect, but God will respond. God will use your suffering for good. That is a truth and principle. Uh, not just in Bible, through our experiences, through church tradition. And then fourth is resurrection in God's time. What do I mean? Not so much physical, but spiritual. And there is a time when, so the first three, you can posture yourself. I can posture myself to attend to my heart, to lament, to wait actively for God. But the resurrection is God. 
is God's time. There was one time when I was in this place uh, where I was feeling really depressed after uh, the birth of our first child, um, Ezra. It was a brief few days. And um, I was just moping around the house, uh, feeling horrible, trying to feed, sleep baby, all kinds of things. Um, I was depressed. I mean, as in I was you know, really down. Uh, and so the main reason was because I was very, very hopeful that our birth plan that we meticulously worked out, uh, and I'm not really type A with everything, but for some reason with the birth plan, I was like, you know, this, 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 bullet points and got number or underline or sorts of things. This was our birth plan, Gaini, please follow. Okay? It's, you may hear the full story, but I'm not gonna tell you as big gory, but uh, everything in the birth plan did not happen. Uh, everything that I did not want to happen, happened. I was sad, I was upset with God. I was upset, uh, my body didn't feel good. Uh, there was just a moment where I was just kind of sulking in the dark, you know, after feeding baby, and baby went to sleep already. Just feeling sorry for myself. Uh, you know, Matt can understand also, maybe I was just drowning in my own thoughts. And just God just suddenly led me to this place where He showed me He was right there. Right there with me in the labor room. And it took a while, but in a few seconds, I just started weeping because it just made the difference. And that's God's time, is what I mean to say. God just chose to, at that time, respond and show me He was there with me in my disappointment. And it can take much longer, so that was a, like a short within a week. But there are times and there are questions in my heart, I still ask God, why? And there are times when we say like, well, you know, don't ask why, just like, okay, what's God teaching me? You know what? Why? And sometimes we just need to ask why? Why? Before I can say, God, teach me this lesson. If I am feeling pain in my heart, I need to ask God, why? Why do these people need to suffer? Why? They have done nothing wrong. But God's timing will resurrect hope within our hearts. And we do not disengage, but we wait actively. Because we know like in Lent, we are leading up to Passion Week. When we remember, with every Sunday we remember, but on Resurrection Sunday, we remember Jesus had the last word on the cross from the tomb. And we are awaiting a day that there will be no more tears. We are awaiting, but we await knowing we are here where suffering is inevitable. I started with a story from Elizabeth Elliot's book and I want to share with you how she has inspired me. And so she wrote this and I will end with this and pray. Our vision is so limited, we can hardly imagine a love that does not show itself in protection from suffering. 
the love of God is of a different nature altogether. It does not hate tragedy. It never denies reality. It stands in the very teeth of suffering. The love of God did not protect His own Son. The cross was the proof of His love, that He gave that Son, that He let Him go to Calvary's cross, though legions of angels might have rescued Him. He will not necessarily protect us, not from anything it takes to make us like His Son. A lot of hammering and chiseling and purifying by fire will have to go into that process. And while, Lord, we don't understand, just as Pastor Daniel prayed, even as we remember our friends, Mariah, John, Ben, and Naomi, and perhaps there are people that come to your mind even as you're listening to this, we don't understand why there are war-torn countries, why there are innocent children suffering, why our neighbor cannot get well, why did he or she have to die? We cannot understand, Lord, but this morning we are in your presence and you are here with us and we are turning our eyes towards you and we say we are, we're going to go through this together with you and with each other. If I can invite you to stand, would you just respond? Not just sing the song with the worship team, but if you need to, would you respond to God out of your own place of pain or if there is a hardship that you're going through or that God is surfacing right now that you haven't been dealing with. I ask that you take this time just to respond to Him even as we sing this song.